Welcome to the Millionaire by Morning podcast, where we believe in you, and you should too. Today, we bring you a guest that will further educate you on entrepreneurship and add to the way to become a millionaire piece of the puzzle. A filmmaker, producer, and entrepreneur, he taught at universities for 11 years, including UNLV, UC Riverside, and CSU San Bernardino. After moving to Los Angeles in 2015 to learn the business side of entertainment, he felt compelled to write a primer to give students the tools they need to utilize their educations and prosper. Introducing Glenn Dunsweiler, a filmmaker, producer, entrepreneur, who has a mission to grow people into wealth, one story at a time. He is the author of Things I've Learned from the Homeless and a Degree in Homelessness, Entrepreneurial Skills for Students. My students were like juniors and seniors were all in the you know, arts theater program. I'm like, Glenn, I don't know how I'm going to make money once I graduate because I got this ticket. I like theater, but I think I'm going to have to live in my car and work at Starbucks. And I didn't have an answer for him. So then after I left academia, because just out of serious frustration and wanting, I had made this documentary. I had no idea how to get distribution for it. I said, I said, forget it. I'm going to LA. I'm going to learn. I'm going back to school, but not, not um, institutional school. I'm going to figure this out, learn from people. And so I, I started hooking into entrepreneurs and I just, I, LA was great. Cause I go, how do you make money? How do you make money? How do you make money? Right. And, and I just started learning all this stuff. And after I learned it, I thought those students that I left and the ones coming up, they need to know how to do this stuff so they don't get themselves stuck like I got myself stuck. Because yeah. I was a good student. I was an upstanding member of society. I did what my parents told me. Go to school. Get an education. Be good. Have a backup plan. You got to have a real job. You know, <laughs> you're just like, yeah, but the real job makes me unhappy and it gets me stuck so how can i how can i unstick myself and so that's why i wrote the book and that's why we're here now right i'm trying to unstick people like that's my goal i am i am glad you know we have people that's now saying even you know educators that's actively saying uh yeah you can do that but it's not going to make you happy you know you can make a lot of money actually but yet and still you know, uh, depression come along with it. Alcoholism comes along with it. And there's just issues, you know, yeah. um, personal issues, um, mental issues. So, yeah, we need uh, uh, more people that kind of get that message out. And yeah. um, that's kind of what my podcast is about. Um, a lot of the times I think people go down the wrong path. And I believe that we are all uh, we all have God given talents. Right. So if you can tap into your God given talent, there is a way that you can eventually make money from it. Yeah. You know, it's, as long as you're in the driver's seat, I noticed that if you're you become unhappy, no matter how much money you make, if you are not in the driver's seat of your own life. Right. I wasn't in the driver's seat of my own life. I knew I did not know how to do what I wanted to do and make be successful at it. And even people that get into jobs that make a lot of money, they're called, you know, golden handcuffs jobs, right? Where 
you, yeah, why wouldn't you just stay? You have insurance, you have, you make, you know, 600,000 a year or wh whatever it is, you're good, you're, you're safe, but you, you haven't done the work on yourself to strategize how you can be successful. And so, you know, the, the, the millionaire idea, you know, millionaires sometimes fall into it, but millionaires also are constantly strategizing. You know, it's risk versus reward. It's how can I make this work? And especially entrepreneurs that I'm meeting, it's all on them. It's all on them. So I'm trying to get that message out because the more that it can be on you, the more chance you have of being in your own driver's seat. Definitely, definitely. And where else would you want to be? You know, the, the back seat sucks, you know. So yeah. working I mean, for some someone people, else. Some people need that direction. Right. Some yeah. people need that safety. Some people need that security. Some people live that life. And that's fine. If you want to be a cog in a machine that someone else built and that that gets you through, that's great. Just do the work to know that that's what you want. And that's why you're happy. And if you're not happy, maybe you didn't do the work to figure out what you really want and how to really get it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I've I've been seeing a lot of um, sayings here lately. That uh, I think, I believe Elon Musk or someone said they didn't make straight A's in school or they didn't go to Harvard or something, but they hired someone that did. And I believe that that is um, that is something that um, I guess you can say we see further on down the line is people can take instructions, but they are, I wouldn't, you know, it's not always a cog in the wheel, but they are playing their part as far as moving on in society, you know. Right. And that's, a, I mean, that's a beautiful thing as well. Yeah. I mean, in, businesses need employees. As long as you are an employee that understands what your leverage is and, and you can put yourself in your own driver's seat, you don't ever feel that, that you were given something. You feel that you've earned something. Yeah. Right? I mean, my, the thing that, Money was something that your employer never gave you enough of in my world and all the people around me. That's all the talk we ever talked about. What is that, right? You, you got to get out of that headspace. You have to figure out how money is something that's a trade for your value. And you got to figure out how to value yourself. Because if you don't value yourself, you get taken for granted. And there are a lot of employees that know how to value themselves. There are a lot of other employees that have no idea how to value themselves. Yeah, exactly. And it comes to trading time, trading your time, what you're worth for money. That's right. what it comes down to. So right. you you shot a documentary. You moved out to L.A. and began shooting a documentary? No, I had. So I bought a house in 2006, which, as we know, was an awful year to buy a house. Right. And so in 2008, the world came falling down. And I was working at UC Riverside at the time. I was a, a staff member and a lecturer. And they, the UC, had made investments in these, these housing markets. And uh, so they, were, they lost money. They had to cut back. And uh, they were going to cut me back at work. I think I was going to be at like three-fifths or something like that. And it was coming to uh, – it's like going to give me in four months that I was going to get cut back. My salary was going to get cut back. So I called my bank and I said, hey, in about four months, I'm not going to be able to make this mortgage payment. And they said, 
hey, we won't even talk to you until you stop paying us. And I just thought, what? And it's all about the leverage. How do they know that you're telling the truth unless you stop giving them money? Right. Then they have the leverage to actually do something. But until you give, stop giving them money, everything's fine on their end, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> so um, that led me down this path of, well, what is it for, who are homeless people in the United States? How do they get homeless? How, what is the world like to be homeless? And how the ones that succeed and get out, how do they get out? So then that was my first, that was my documentary. It's called Why Homeless? And uh, I shot it in 2010. But, and I made it and then I was screening it starting around 2011 for different places. But I was a failure trying to get it distributed because I had no idea how to distribute it. How can people get to see this? And so that's when... I just out of frustration and some other things going on in my life in 2015, after four years of having this documentary, not getting it out to people and seeing the same things happen. Um, I just thought this has to get out. I have to figure it out. So then that's when I moved to LA and I secured distribution through it, through a, an international distributor. So then they took the reins, you know, they have, they have all the connections. They got it on Amazon prime. And at one point, at that point, Amazon Prime wasn't just, you weren't able to upload anything and everything. And I think you are now, which would have been good for me in 2015, but you know, what did I know? So I learned, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that, then that's what got me to LA is because every, everything entertainment either goes into LA or comes out of LA at some point. And so I just figured it was a good spot for me to learn and a good spot for me to grow. And it's a good, I'm, the ocean of Los Angeles and the tumult of of opportunities and things going on is just never ending. And there are so many directions. It just was the right place to be because I didn't have enough money to travel the world to figure out how, how the world is. So I just go to LA and the world comes to me and through me yeah. and around me. And I go to, you know, so. So would you, you would advise like artists, uh, producers, aspiring producers to, navigate to LA for networking purposes? Yes, it's your strategy, right? You figure out your strategy. So there are, with the democratization of all of the equipment, the, the filmmaking equipment, and you, know, you don't have to be in Los Angeles. Just at some point, somebody is probably gonna be in Los Angeles that you need to connect with. So, if, if it works better, if your resources are all in Atlanta, be in Atlanta, but just figure out how you can get to LA when you need to get to LA. And maybe, you know, it's international and you don't want to do that. So it's going to be London. So I, you know, it's, my thing is all about the strategy. People say, you're, you're telling people not to go to college. And I say, no, I'm not telling people not to go to college. I'm saying, be aware of what you have and what you need run the risk versus reward and figure out your best path with knowledge. Don't let someone else have you ignorantly play their game because they are out there waiting for you. I bought a house, not knowing someone told me I should buy a house. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that game. There, there are people that make a lot of money by having people play their game ignorantly. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely, man. And not only that is you have a lot of people out here as far as 
salespeople, real estate agents, the way that they are playing the game is that they were taught by someone how to play it in which they get out here and sell to particular people, not knowing that the information that they got was the wrong information. So it's really the blind leading the blind, you know, once you get to a certain point. Yeah, and my my ex-wife was, she was a, a school teacher as well, but insanely smart and she could do anything. So she wanted to do everything. <laughs> and so at one point she got her realtor's license. And so I got to see what it was like. And they were saying, and her aunt also became a realtor. Um, and a lot of realtors, the first, the first, couple years you have to tie in with a broker and that broker wants you to become a realtor because of your network and your your first sale it's going to be to a relative and that that relative or that sale the broker then gets a cut of that sale and that's why that that's why that broker just wants as many realtors as possible going through them because it expands their network and it's all about your network. That's the other thing that I hugely learned. I, I tell students, I give a talk, learn, do, connect, repeat. And that was the thing that I never learned was connect. My parents always say, keep your head down and work hard. Don't keep your head down. Keep your head up yeah. and work hard. Yeah. <laughs> Notice definitely. where the opportunities are. See who your network is. Because I never built a network. In fact, I walked away from many networks. So if you are trying to be a realtor and you don't know anybody... That's a hard one. Yeah. But if yeah. you are a very gregarious person, if you if you go out to the clubs at night, everyone knows you and everyone that you know is in a position to buy a house, you want to be a realtor, <laughs> right? I mean, that's the, the economic game that they play. They, they befriend people and know people, the successful ones that are ready to buy houses, yeah. that are ready to play that game. If you know only apartment dwelling people that can only afford apartments, don't be a realtor. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally get it, man. It's a, uh, there, there's there's so many cliches cliches that come, uh, you know, to mind as you move along in life, and one of them is it's who you know, and that yeah. applies to so many different assets. I mean, um, aspects of life. You know, it just. A lot of it is networking and who you know, you know. Well, and, and the first one of the first people that I met in Los Angeles, I made a lot of multi-level marketing, but also just that that marketing for what it's called. But instead of paying for advertisement, they 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 buy they, they, they um, use other people's networks, their employees' networks, and you become a rep and. I come from very cynical people. Everyone's cynical in my family. And so I was learning this business that they're, that, that they're, they're, they're doing. And you're supposed to go out to the people you know and see if they would be interested in this product. And I said, well, I only know very suspicious, cynical people. I mean, everyone's out to get them, right? Everyone's out to steal from them. There's no good story. Everything is a rig. And, he, and I said, how do you sell to those people? And he said, we don't sell to those people. It's too hard. Yeah, yep. So if you all you know are cynical people, don't, don't go into network marketing, right? That's what it's called, network marketing. Yeah. Because 
you better find a new network of excited people yeah. that are excited to try new products yeah. that are excited to to live that life you know yeah i know all about it i know all about that um so getting getting into your book and a little more into your talk um can you go into detail explain about the social entrepreneur idea that you have i found it very interesting sure 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 so uh the easiest way to to think about it is um using your entrepreneurial skills so using your your ability to to focus your energies to look at risk versus reward opportunities to use your marketing skills to get people excited to give people joy to focus that on instead of just um, earning money figuring out how you can also you can earn money because you need money to sustain yourself but how you can also um, build your society around you, your community out, how you can help your community. And the easiest way that I was, I was, I did this in my talk, uh, my TEDx talk, it's called small business homeless. Cause we're looking at, I'm looking at trying to creative ways to fix the homelessness conundrum. And what happened, what's happened is families and communities have just really degraded in this, this country. And so we're trying to fix family and community, lack of family and community with capitalism. And it's just, if you look at just the money of capitalism, it doesn't work out, right, to help people. But if you say, hey, we got a whole bunch of people hanging out at the grocery store, in front of our grocery store. And, and, and as a grocer, instead of calling the cops and saying, look, these people are not um, helping my business. People are going away from my store. Can you please clear them out? You need a grocer say, go to these people and say, hey, how can I help you? And how can we get you on a path to success? And then you take that and you use that as marketing for you are actively trying to build up your community, the community that you do business in, right? So instead, we, we think of businesses supporting Little League and businesses supporting you know, whatever, whatever kids sports, we often think of that. We'll expand that idea, not just kids sports, but what are the other problems in your community and how can businesses get social credit? And I always say that the easiest one is the, the, the thing where buy made in America, right? We're trying to keep things onshore, keep manufacturing onshore. So you should take pride in your own country and buy things with the made in America stamp. Same idea, right? Hey, I'm going to patronize that grocer because I know that they just helped 20 homeless people in our mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to that guy. Or, you know, and some of it, some of it was even big thinking bigger because like in, in Los Angeles, we have a huge problem with with um, feces and urine, right? I mean, it's just a lot of people, if you don't have bathrooms, and that is a huge problem. Running water is a huge problem, and it's a huge resource. So who can afford to do bathrooms for the homeless, man, or, or shuffle all that, that, that gray water around or whatever? That's, that's a huge infrastructure thing. And I thought, well, companies like Amazon and Microsoft can because they've got the deep pockets, and they should get credit for that, right? Does that make sense? Like Amazon should come in and say, 
look, you've been complaining about me not paying enough taxes. Jeff Bezos should come in and say, you've been complaining about me not paying enough taxes. But look at Skid Row. I clean this up. <laughs> the money Definitely. from Amazon, you patronizing Amazon, you ordering stuff on Amazon goes back into cleaning up this community and this community and this community. And then maybe we can start having that dialogue instead of turning people into villains, which yeah. we love to do. Yeah. We we see how can we how we can help, which is another entrepreneurial skill instead of oh we can't do that. The liability is too big. That's what we do now. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely uh, <laughs> it's like more so as society looks at the people that are down on their luck, they look more they they look more at people that are down on their luck as the bad guy, as the villain, more so than people that are creating those type of habitats. Right. Um, capitalism, it's it's a um, it's a construct that is 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 good for um, the ideal is good, but it seems as if everyone society where it stands as of now, it's a uh, very self selfish concept sure so yeah i've read i've read that like millennials and uh what is it generation z and the the newer generations they they are looking to support businesses that are about humanitarian efforts they're about you know going green things of that nature but then on the flip side of that uh, a lot is to do with selfishness and vanity and no one wants to help anyone anymore. So like, how do we fix that <laughs> going forward? You know? Yeah. That, and that's a huge marketing problem because in capitalism, you sell stuff when you say it's easy, right? This will help you. And it's so easy. That's the easiest way to sell something is if someone says, Oh, this is not going to be any effort on my part, right? It's just going to be amazing. I'm going to purchase this thing and it's going to fix my life. And we love that message, but it's not a real message, right? It takes work. Um, so how can we flip that? And and we, we desperately want the good story. At some point, there's a tipping point where we realize some people are getting a really good story and some people are getting unhoused and are living on the street, right? Um, my, I always ask my question, my question is how many homeless do we need to wade through before we, we, we realize that neglecting the problem is not the solution, right? And I don't know, do you want to wade through seas of homeless people to get to your castle, right? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I have... I I suppose that a lot of people have to see it literally with their own eyes, put their hand on it to to be able to see it and say, "Whoa, this is a problem." Yeah. And I can I can admit like I've been riding up and down my old neighborhood and I am literally seeing tents go up. Yeah. And I'm 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 astonished by it. You know, this is neighborhood where I grew up and when you think about <laughs> when you look at the prices of rent, you're thinking about the pay. You look at the prices of rent right now. Um, right. And then once before, I've heard someone say the only thing that uh, keeping you from being homeless is the fact that you have an address. 
if you do not have an address, that means that you cannot be accounted for. And it, it takes just that, you know, that quick to become homeless. So in the in a blink of an eye, a lot of people who think that they would never be in that situation could very much end up in that situation. Right. And and it's it's about the acceptance of throwing people away. Right. Um, and there are people. There are people that after a while accept being thrown away and throw themselves away. And I think that there there has to be some way that we can put a, we can self, we, we need to self-regulate, right? That's the, the thing that we need because how many purses do you need? How many cars do you need? Exactly. How, how many, what, what, what is too much, right? To, and the, the other side of that is how much help can you give? You know, I, I, some people can give a lot. Some people can position themselves. Some people can't. And we need to figure out who can do what and, and what credit they get for that. Because if we, we have a lot of, we have a lot of people that have kids and don't take care of their kids. We have a lot of communities that have people and don't take care of their own community. Right. So then those people get thrown away. What credit can you get for picking up someone in your family, right? Does that make sense? What credit can you get to say, look, I, I have just adopted this person <laughs> and, and what is my reward for that? When it's your own child, for you know, family, we want to see our children to succeed and we have some vested interest if we have not thrown our family away. What is that incentive to see a stranger succeed and to help a stranger succeed? I'm still looking for it. You know, I mean, we saw this, this social credit, but um, it's kind of a, it's not a complete answer. So I, I don't know. In the meantime, I'm looking to give the homeless people the idea that they are not throwaway people. Yeah. Because it starts with them. If you refuse to be thrown away, then you will not be thrown away. So one of my things is skid row speakers. As I was going through in LA, I noticed there's a lot of public speaking opportunities and everyone's trying to better themselves with public speaking. And I thought, well, if you're a homeless person and you practice at communicating, you are not, no one can deny you're human if you look them in the eye and can speak to them, right? <laughs> and, and so I, one of my, one of the YouTube series that I, I have is Skid Row Speakers, where I give a chance for a homeless person to give an inspirational story, not their sad story, right? They're trained to give their sad story. Please yeah. help me. No, 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 inspire us. And I'll tell you what, man, to see the light go on, they say, you think I have something to tell people that they want to hear? And I said, man, I know you have something. I've learned so much from homeless people. They think back in their head, the light comes on, and all of a sudden, they're legitimate. That's the starting point that's amazing. Like, I just love seeing people realize that they're legitimate human beings again. Yeah. And then once they're legitimate, game's going. Keep them in the game. Keep Figure it out. How can you get back? How can you get back? And that's with anybody, you know? I mean, anywhere where you start, even if you're living in a home, 
people will love to tell you you're not legitimate. <laughs> people will love to tell you that you do not have value because that's a way they can control people. Definitely. And it's easier. So you, if you just refuse to be neglected, if you, if you make yourself ir irrefutable, that is the key to success. Yeah. You know? And <laughs> if I could do a social experiment with that, People change with something as simple as if you can take somebody off the street and clean them up, give them a nice haircut, they will have a totally out different outlook, you know, a lot yeah, of yeah. the times. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's there's, value. Yeah, there's a guy in L.A. that does that and on the weekends. He's a he's a celebrity hairstylist mm. and on the weekends. He's out in L.A. just cutting cutting hair for anybody that wants a haircut. And, yeah, I mean, we we are visual people. We perceive character from our visual cues. So if your hair is messed up, if you're not shaved, if your clothes are messed up, your personality must be messed up. If you're clean, oh, you're a safe guy to talk to. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so. we are very um, vanity and <laughs> yeah, we have to, you know, see what we think is makes right. us comfortable. Yeah. Um, but. You know, I came up around a lot of people that, you know, just got down and out. But once you, you know, speak to them and, and talk to them, have a conversation with them, you will see that there's something there. There's something behind the dirty clothes. There's something behind the matted hair, you know. Yeah. And uh, they do have nine times out of ten, they have something to share that can be motivational, inspirational that you can learn from. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm trying to dig that out, you know, take that judgment away. It's from people looking down on people and then people looking down on themselves. So you need to stop looking down on yourself. You need to pick yourself up. And then that comes with a, a circle. People start to see you as something as legitimate. If I can get people to automatically see people that don't see themselves as legitimate, see them as legitimate, that's even better. So you go out and you say, no, you do have something to offer. I know it. And you challenge them to show you, then that's an extra, that's an extra bump we can get on, on people being knowledgeable about their own lives and, and being able to, again, drive their own lives because us taking advantage of people that can't is running itself out. We're, 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 it's not sustainable, right? Yeah. It's not sustainable. We're running into major problems in the United States. That's one thing I, I hate shaming people, but you know, we were having, I think cholera outbreaks in LA. We were having things that, things that the Romans figured out, <laughs> you know, it's like running water guys. We're, we're supposed to work the United States. Yeah, you would think. Cholera? <laughs> you would think, man. Is is they they are at the moment even making it's so frustrating because it really is like we're going backwards. Um and things that should be illegal are made legal for the sake of capitalism these days. You know? Right. And and I always say legal making things legal illegal is kind of an afterthought and that goes back into lawyers and, and liability you know how can you make it successful and how can you 
tell the people that want to exploit because they've scaled something. They, what happens? I don't think that rich people are villains. I don't think that large companies are villains. I think they get so far removed from humanity. They're say they're just it's numbers. It's all numbers that it's easy for people to forget. I mean, the regular middle class person or even lower middle class working person does that with homeless people. Yeah. You know, yeah. somehow we let them separate. So if if we as the people who are suffering who see it on the streets say no, we're not doing that. Okay, Jeff Bezos. We love, thank you so much that you are delivering everything to our door. Thank you for figuring that out. That is amazing. We are now willing to pay more. Please help this problem. We will want our money to help go to you to solve this bigger problem. No more scaling, no more offshore accounts, no more, right? Or we're leaving. We will find another way, right? Because if you hit people in their pocket, then, then they'll do it. That's the incentive. So you have to have enough internal fortitude to say, I'm not going to buy from Amazon. That's so hard now, right? Especially we're still in COVID scare. We love things delivered to us, but maybe you have to find a competitor, go back to local, and that helps your local community anyway. So is the risk worth it? Yeah. We have to ask ourselves, what risk can we take? Yeah, as a society. I totally agree with that. Um, they may not, they may not be evil villains yet, but they definitely are not doing their part. Um, I heard the argument that they are, you know, providing jobs, and that should be a, a even trade out. But um, we also got to talk about the cost of living if we want to talk about that. You know, yeah, and. Um, yeah. So, like people in LA, I hear people in LA have full-time jobs but still live in tents or live on skid row. That's yeah, ridiculous. I, I mean, that's real estate is when it turned into an investment, that an investment opportunity. That's when everything going started going crazy because. Real estate is maybe an investment. We treat it as an investment, but it's a necessity. People have to have a place to live. They have to have shelter. That you can't survive without shelter. Humans have to have shelter. So we have now invested ourselves out of <laughs> a place to live, right? Because we followed the path of capitalism. Well, all these people want to live here and they'll pay it. Someone will pay it. And the thing about us is... You know, I, I love this story that there, there are pe offshore people, people, especially that are successful in Hong Kong and Taiwan, that will buy property in California and they will they will outbuy the 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 natives, <laughs> right? yeah. the people that live here, because we just follow the dollar. The person selling the house just wants the highest dollar, yeah. and it's it's discrimination. To say no, you can't. We're not going to sell this. We're not going to sell our own property to another country. We can't. It's not. We we have to have a priority, right? At some point. And is that racism? Is that bigotry? I don't know. But what's happening is we're we're capitalizing ourselves out of a place to live. So what are we doing? 
we're, we're making it we're making it really bad uh, on ourselves. Being that um, big money takes little money. So even if you are a even if you are a mid level investor or a small investor, you still can't play in the same game with people that's a corporation coming in buying up all of the houses that are on the market. Right. So eventually well, even the small investor loses. You know who thinks capitalism is for them? Well, when that big company come and they own the whole entire block, you know, they're probably going to buy you out as well. There is there's always a strategy though, right? There are things that small people can do that large corporations can't. And uh, you just have to find what that is. Um, I would, I would hope that we find a place before the end of the movie Fight Club. You remember the end of the movie Fight Club where we just blow up all the banks, yeah. right? Yeah. Just raise everything to the ground. Let's not do that. But at some point, even the small the small business has to do well. There has to be a reward for that risk. And me, as a, uh, I'm a solopreneur, right? I'm trying to build my own business. And I know, man, it's hard. It would be so much easier to go work for a Netflix as a producer for them. Or it would be so much easier to go back to teaching and let the, the university do all the marketing and just right. have, have them bring me the students, right? Instead of me trying to constantly say, no, I'm real and I'm legitimate. You should take my course, my online course, you know, or me go to investors and say, no, I'm a legitimate filmmaker. You should look at this and invest your $6 million into my next film. Um, that's, that's a difficult path. And, you know, I'm monetarily I'm, I'm paying for that. I'm not living at the Ritz Carlton, you know, I'm not, but I think it's well worth it, right? Because I think enough people, when you give up, you know, we give up to, to tyranny and that tyranny could be corporate or it could be governmental. Or I think what we've got now is because the big corporation can afford to buy out government. We've got this because of lobbying, right? We've got this, this tie where, yeah, absolutely. Big corp, our, our government is going to do what big, what is good for, the larger corporations, unless we get to a, to a ridiculous point, like we did with the, the steel boom, right? In the early 1900s, where they started breaking up all those, those large, large corporations to give opportunity to smaller ones. But in the meantime, with, with what we're doing now, it gives you a lot more opportunity to, to eke out a good living on your own. Yeah. You find your people, you find your community. We're talking over Zoom. I don't even know where you live, right? Does it matter? No, we're, we're communicating. So your customers can be now, as a small business, you could have international customers. And the great thing about international customers is they don't care necessarily about the, the U.S. companies, right? They're competitors. They want to bring money. In. So there's always someone with money willing to back you. You just need to find them. You need to make sure that you are in a position to knowledgeably succeed, right? It's, it's, I think it's, it's to our disadvantage when we just 
ignorantly give over our money to someone that says, I'll take care of it. <laughs> that's a bad, that's a bad deal. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I think we are in a, <laughs> I think we are in a great time as far as being um, solopreneur, entrepreneur. I think it's a great time because like you say, you can get your own crowd. And um, the only thing is if you are, me, let me back up. Me, for instance, I've started a course design. Me, I'm a marketer. I started out with traditional marketing and then I had to learn digital marketing. So what I would like to do, the people that's in my age group and age bracket who don't really know much about digital marketing, I would like to take them down that road and say, here's how you can go from traditional to digital. And um, I think that that is needed. And there's going to be a lot of, well, baby boomers now are retiring. There's going to be a lot of people retiring, starting their own businesses who have no idea about computers, you know. And um, I think that right now is a time that is almost like the barter system. You know, right. you can take exactly what it is that you are good at, um, whether it's crocheting, you know, uh, making pies and you can build a little Shopify store and create your own customers. Right. That's a learning curve as well, though, you know, and yeah. I kind of feel sorry for the people who don't even know about that yet and are left behind in that sense. It's still kind of new, you know, but this is a great time to be um, about that. But you have so many people with a working nine to five clocking in everyday mentality who this entire opportunity will be passed up, you know, or it's a great, it's a great point for you to start pushing that knowledge and to get apprenticeships back, you know, where you had the old retired cobbler bringing in the new one, showing them the ropes. And then the new person is bringing in their network. And the great thing about young people now is they intuitively know computers so they kind of know things that you don't even know you don't know yeah as an older person and if you can tie together and make a small business old and young between the two you have great opportunity you know i, I mean the the thing is humanity is humanity we're not unless we're dying off we're not going anywhere right we just keep making more babies <laughs> we keep raising them <laughs> we keep living so what does that look like? And, you know, are we all going to be in chains? Are we all going to be locked down? Are we all going to be under the corporate thumb? Are we all going to be under um, our leadership? I mean, ultimately, especially in this country, that you can fight that, right? You're, no one is... Unless they make you a criminal, so far, they find you as a criminal, they can't lock you away. So the goal is to challenge it. Just don't be labeled a criminal. Yeah, <laughs> let them label you. I, at, at, you know, at this point, um, I watch a lot of politics, and I just really need to turn it off. But at this point, <laughs> it's wide open, and we don't know, like, really, what's next. You know, yeah. um, we could be on the authoritarian. Society yeah. pretty soon. Uh, back, yeah, bringing it back to education and, and and my book. I was I had a person posted. She's she's very liberal. Lives in New York City, and 
obviously I come from working from very liberal people. I worked in theater departments that are like the leftiest of left, left people. Right. I mean, it's just so, and she was saying that the reason that, uh, tuition is so high, it's all, it's all the right fault. And they all want, they all want people to be dumb and they don't want universities, the universities better thought, you know, I, I worked at universities and I was, I was in a, 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 a faculty meeting where the chair said, you know, we have to, we have to get more international students because international students pay full tuition and they will pay it. That's the leftiest of left, left chairs saying, you know what? It's all about money. We got to get people to pay us money. And that's where we're at. You know, the, the, the universities found a way to, to passively scale their income. And the university, meaning the administrators, administrators found a way for the teachers to teach and the students to pay the teachers to teach and them to take most of the money <laughs> and to in, in, in increase that. And you know what? Awesome to them. You know, hey, they figured out a way to scale their passive income. That's the goal of capitalism. We're always talking about getting away from the time for money conundrum, right? You want to, you want to figure out how other, how your money can just generate itself. Oh, well, I just have faculty do the thing and the students pay me more money for the thing. And then I take the money <laughs> like, oh, that's brilliant. I'm not playing that game anymore. So that's what another reason why I left universities, because it was just a, a crazy system. That's all about money. And I was listening to another person and he said that when the, when the government backed student loans, that's when yeah. universities saw an opportunity. They said, oh, we can charge whatever we want because they'll pay it because yeah. it's not real money and especially not real money to an 18 year old, you know? <laughs> and so I can just, I can take this class that was $40 a credit and make it $400 For, yeah. a credit. Heck, I can make it $700 a credit. They won't know what hit them until after they graduate. This is the greatest thing in the world, right? I mean, that's what happened. And that's not a party thing. That's people seeing an opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We, <laughs> I, I have, I dropped out of college with two uh, classes left for my bachelor's degree because I sat down one day and <laughs> I sat down one day and I looked at it and I said, how much am I going to be making once I graduate with this degree? How much I looked at how much the books cost and how much it would have cost to get into a certain program. And those did not make sense to me. So I would have to in order for my, I guess, student loans and what I earned to match, I would have to spend more money to get a higher degree which means that I would have to up my grades more and I added all of it up and I said, you know, right now I could, what my degree would cost, I can go find a job for exactly what my degree would cost. So yeah. I haven't looked back since, I haven't looked back since, you know. Yeah. And, and that is what I'm, my book is trying to do is get people to think about that and run those numbers as early as possible. So you don't get trapped. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't realize how ridiculous the business model was in live entertainment until I was in my second year in graduate school, which is not a good place to be at. 
I've invested four years at a university and one of the three years at a graduate school before I realized, wait, how little am I going to make at the top end of my game? That's dumb. Yep. Again, people, people said, I want to, I want to go to school because go to schools and going to school is important, but I want to get a degree in theater. Well, well, okay, we'll give that to you and it'll cost this much, <laughs> you know? And then the people who are teaching or who are working in theater, who aren't making anything, get this opportunity to make a better salary with, with insurance at a university. I go, yeah, I'll take that. Sure, I'll teach you how to do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, why wouldn't they, right? I mean, it's a better life for them. It's not a better life for me because I was listening to my professors and I thought, wait, what what that's this is the life i'm gonna go into this is dumb you know and so i'm trying to prevent people from that now i fortunately have spun all the knowledge that i learned in graduate school into what i'm doing now and it, and i and i'm yeah. working on it and trying to succeed so i don't regret it and i also decided to go to a school in the midwest where the it was, I think I got out with $40,000 in student loans as opposed to going to Cal Arts and it would have been something like $200,000 in student loans. So I didn't, I didn't do the Cal Arts route, right? Good for me. But at the same time, I just thought, oh man, I got a degree in homelessness. Dang it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the semester I dropped out, they, I had a business. I finally got to my business courses after two or three years that you have to take just the you know, same stuff you took in high school. So I finally got to my business courses. And the class that I was excited about the most had us watching Shark Tank every class period. And I was like, man, like I'm paying for this. I'm literally paying for this. And that's it. We watched Shark Tank. He would put Shark Tank on every period. That's what Shark Tank was kind of kind of new. Wasn't so many episodes. But that just let me know that it was a it was a joke to me, you know, maybe the master's degree or something like that further on down the line in business or, you know, something of that nature. But um, I was already I, so I went to school for marketing. I was already doing like events and uh, marketing anyway. So I was seeing more money off of that than I would if I went and sat down. For thirty five thousand a year working for someone, so right. yeah, man. I, <laughs> so that's what your book explains on just the concept of putting this all together. Yeah, and it's running the numbers. Like I don't, I also don't regret getting those pieces of paper because those pieces of paper, it's like your, it's like your COVID vaccine card now, right? You can't go somewhere without these pieces of paper. Yeah, and so now at least I have these other pieces of paper. You know, I have an MFA. That allows me entry to teach at a university if so I needed to for some kind of strategic thing, right? It's like you can't, I am undeniable, right? You have yeah. to make yourself undeniable. And a way to make yourself undeniable is a certain degree, and especially a certain degree from a certain university. Like if you want to be undeniable, if you want into a certain group or community or um, society, then you need to go to Yale. And then you use that degree, right, to get yourself into those meetings yeah. from other people that went to me on that, 
that run the world. I, I back in, I think it was 2008. I said to my boss at the time at UC Riverside, I said, how, how do I get in the room to make those decisions? They said, he says too late. You should have gone to Yale or Harvard. Cause that's where they groom all the people that make all the national decisions. Yeah. So Definitely. if you want to make national decisions, you've got to go there because they're already looking to groom people from there. You could be an Elon Musk, you could be a, a Steve Jobs, and you but you have to realize what you have and you have to work it starting early. I mean, Steve Jobs was a schemer. Elon Musk, <laughs> same thing, you know, like they they know what to work and how to work it. And if you're that person great if you're not know what you have and know what you need to do what you want to do and as early as you can make that decision better off you'll be right definitely <laughs> definitely i agree <laughs> the earlier you know I, I believe that with the college you know you're, you're sent in a direction and, and it's a good thing to have you know if you have the correct degrees and you, networking um, but if you sent in a direction and you don't know, you know, which fork in the road, which direction to go, it, it just gets more difficult further on down the line. Then you have I to, tell, in my talk, I say that entrepreneurial skills are like vegetables. <laughs> like when you're 18 to 22, all you want is fast food, right? You can live off Burger King, off McDonald's, off whatever garbage food. It, your body is fine and you don't care about vegetables, but someone told you about vegetables. So in the back of your head, you know that apparently there are these healthy things that if you eat them, you feel better. And then when you hit about 26 <laughs> and you've only been eating Taco Bell for <laughs> 10 years and your body says, Oh, I got to stop, man. <laughs> you got to stop. You go, wait, have these things called vegetables, right? And that's what I say entrepreneurial skills are because you don't know when you're going to need them, but you need to know they exist. And I didn't even know what they were. I was thinking in my cynical employee head, trying to move forward in the business world, not knowing about entrepreneurial skills. And that's a problem. You need to know that you can't think cynically. You need to know about building your network. You need to know about giving people the good story and trying to answer the problem and finding the starving crowd and looking to solve people's solutions and proving to people that you can solve their, 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 their problems, you know, and that's all entrepreneurial stuff. That's, you know, you need to know about risk and reward. You need to know about how money is used really. Yeah. Just how you use it, but how money you got, you have got to learn. How it works, how money works, yeah, how it works. Yeah. And, um, and how, where to find more information on it when you do need to access it. Right. Um, so that's what my book is. You know, it's just, it's this little primer that you can take it. It's, I, I'm, I wrote it so you could read a chapter and go, okay, I got that chapter and then put it down for a few weeks and then pick up another chapter, you know, okay. it doesn't take long. My, my stepdaughter read, read the whole thing and less than an hour and a half you know so if you're a fast reader you got it but it's also just a good it's a good resource to have you know um because it, it really knocks it down into bite-sized pieces about the first half is succeeding in your education whatever that education is if it's formal if it's informal 
how to use that. And then the second half are all these business and entrepreneurial skills that kind of are necessary, are necessary to know and learn to succeed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And your course, the course that you offer, does it go along with the book or what are people learning in the course? No, so I do a lot of stuff, right? And so I spent, I spent a lot of time learning how to, how to make films and make entertainment. And now that we're all on video, um, I thought, Hey, and, and I, I got tired of, I mean, I got tired of the education system, but I still like teaching to people that want to know. So my course is called social media video mastery. And I have a long course, a big course. I have a small course and I have, um, coaching as one-on-one -on -one coaching, as well as a free community called social media video mastery that if you just want to join and, and see what's going on, um, I built it on this, this new platform called Circle. And Circle is great for building these kind of enclosed communities. So it's private and invited. And we can just talk about getting you better at presenting yourself on video, lighting, sound, background, all this other stuff. Okay. So that's what my course is on. It's social media video mastery. My books, I have two books. One is Things I've Learned from the Homeless. Mm -hmm. And the second one is A Degree in Homelessness, Entrepreneurial Skills for Students. And uh, yeah, so... I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> That's awesome, man. As a solopreneur, you have to. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a marketer just open a ghost kitchen. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And then something has to pay for something else a lot of times. So, yeah. Why not? I mean, and, yeah. and you just, you understand that for me, I was so sad that I was stuck and I had no idea what I was doing. And so I spent the last six years enjoying learning the obstacle course, because that's the mind shift as well. Entrepreneurs love the game. <laughs> you have yeah. to love the game because it's have so to. volatile, man. It's up and down and, you know, you, you have to. You have you to. You are your own savior. No one's going to save yeah. you. You are it and you better like it. And I love that mindset. You know, that's the that's a really powerful mindset to be in because you don't need anybody else to make you happy. That's a definite. And, and, and to make you wake up in the morning. You know, yeah. motivation is everything. But if you're not inspired and dedicated, then motivation would do nothing, absolutely nothing for you. You know, yeah. you got to be able to get up out the bed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where can people find you on, on social media and be yeah, and so, order your books? Uh, yeah, I'm everywhere. But if you go to if you can spell my name, <laughs> I'm easy to find. So glendunsweiler.com. Uh, but you can also look up the spelling of my name. You, uh, my movie, Why Homeless, letter Y, homeless question mark, is on Amazon Prime. If you want to know about more more about the, the homeless people in the United States, uh, you can find out about that. And then I'm also, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, uh, Glenn Dunsweller Productions. Uh, and so, yeah, the big thing is just spell, spelling my last name, and then I'm easy to find. I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah yeah you're probably like me once you can spell my last name I'm about the only one that exists so yep. you'll find me <laughs> yep alright so uh, you, I know you you know you're a busy guy so I'm going to get these last little questions and then that'll be it we can wrap it up alright so this is what I'm going to call quick five questions you can just answer first thing that comes to your mind sure. alright what is your favorite vacation spot? 
uh, I moved here, Los Angeles, man. We have everything. I can just go. I can go to Griffith Park and just hang out in the trees. It's great. I can go to Santa Monica. It's right there. So yeah. L.A. Okay. All right. Um, favorite food? Uh, scallops. Just simple scallops, man. They're so amazing. Scallops. Do you get a lot of those being close to the ocean and everything? No, I haven't had scallops in a while because I've been scaling my life down. I'm also I, I I'm on a health kick, so I um, I've been simplifying my food for the last three years, and so I just kind of don't eat out. My favorite my favorite uh, uh, place to eat or place to get food is Smart and Final, which is a grocery store. <laughs> Oh, you should definitely write a book about that experience or a documentary. That are, that's like that's the thing right now. Help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up? When you was younger, oh, as a kid, man, I wanted to be a rock star. That was my first thing. I was going to be a drummer in a rock band, and then my my band fell apart, and I got sad. And I thought, oh well, I know this theater thing, and maybe uh, my parents are on me about. I better find a job. What's my backup plan? And so I gave up on being a rock star and gave up working with other musicians and uh, picked theater. <laughs> okay, so you were still trying to stay in that niche a little, a little bit. Yeah, entertainment. Entertainment. I love entertainment, but uh, I started doing technical theater stuff and design um, instead of performance. But yeah, definitely rock star. Rock star. All right, <laughs> and. Uh, Introvert or extrovert? Which describes you? I'm more of an introvert, but I'm one of those weird ones where I love I love performance, so I get my extroversion by throwing myself out there. Gotcha. But it makes me tired. It may I have to sleep afterwards. Definitely. Yeah, and business will make you just automatically be an extrovert for the most yeah. part. Uh, Windows or Apple? Uh, right now, for the past 20 years, I've been all Apple because I had to make a choice. But I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I, I don't hold one over the other. They're just tools. Yeah. Uh, but especially when the iPhone came out and that whole, uh, I want to say atmosphere, but it's not. It's, a, the, the, you know, everything talks to itself, talks to each other. And definitely. Just, yeah. That, that, yeah, definitely. They, they, uh, they solidified it when they did that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, I really appreciate speaking with you and um, having this interview. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, I'll, um, there's a, there was some questions that I didn't get to ask you. So what I'll do is um, try to get this circulating and then I'll double back and, and we can do another interview. Fun. I look forward to it. I've been, it's been a kick talking to you. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot, and uh, I appreciate you putting it out there, and we're going to try to get you a couple more sales on this book. Nice. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Just take care of yourselves, people. Please, just keep pushing. Don't give up. Don't listen to other people. Listen to yourself. Follow your gut. Seriously, follow your gut, and then follow the knowledge. Please. There we go. There we go. Great advice. We really appreciate it. All right. Have the rest of the week. Have a great one. all of you future millionaires 
thank you for tuning in to this episode. I just want to let you know that if you are interested in becoming an author yourself and telling your story, I have the perfect place for you to get assistance with your efforts. Go to Fiverr.com and you will easily find someone to design your cover, ghostwrite it for you, and provide social media marketing for it, if that's what you're looking for. I've personally used them for 10 plus years to outsource my work. I will simply leave the link in the podcast description. Go ahead and check them out. Until next time, thank you for believing in yourself.